Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network and thanks for joining us today. Happy New Year. This is our first show of 2022. So uh, we're not going to make too big of a deal about it because we want to just be very calm and peaceful this year. (laughs) My name is Michelle Beck and I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Today, my guest is Kathy Lehman. I think she is, we were just discussing, she is a repeat guest, has been on many times with Becky and Sharon, and I think holds the honor of being our most uh, repeated guest. So she is so full of wonderful information, a registered dietitian, a certified personal trainer and nutrition therapist. All of these things are so important to really cultivate a healthy vibrant life after a cancer diagnosis. And Kathy is the creator of the Health Rebuild Program for Post-Treatment Survivors of Hormone-Positive Breast Cancer. And we'll get into that later. She also writes a blog called Damn Mad About Breast Cancer, which I love that. And you can find that at damnmadaboutbreastcancer.com forward slash blog. So Kathy, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome. Um, Give us a quick quick little bio on yourself. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I am I'm just honored to be back and to be here with you for the first time, Michelle. So yes, I know. We have lots of great things to talk about. So I'll just give you the just the personal side of me. I live in the Chicago area with my husband, and it is right now uh, the wind is gusting at like 40 miles an hour. I'm looking out my window at and yeah, it's not too cold, but the wind makes it really chilly. So this is a really hard time of year for us. I'm not a fan of winter. So uh-huh. it's my challenging the next couple months. Um, it's a lot about mindset, but I am a, I am an avid home cook. The kitchen is my happy place. Mm-hmm. And I am a huge fan of R&B and funk, especially nice. like the old, old times, uh-huh. 70s, 80s. And I love to dance and um, yeah, a good, great cup of coffee and a great book. Those are kind of my favorite things. So. I love that. And having music on while I'm cooking is literally my favorite thing to do. And, you know, people, my husband or my son will come in and they're like, why is it so loud? I'm like, I'm cooking. Leave me alone. <laughs> if you want to dancing, because I do I- kitchen dancing all the time when I cook. I do. My, my, my son is vibrantly embarrassed about me. I'm like, I don't care. This is what I want to do. <laughs> and I, I want to quickly talk about one thing you said. Um, it's all about mindset. And you were talking about it in terms of winter and getting through it. But really, that's about what we're going to talk about today is being able to get your mind in that proper place to really get yourself into a healthy place after cancer, which can be challenging for so many people. Um, and you, you are all of these wonderful, amazing professional things, but you have also been affected by cancer. I have. I was diagnosed with hormone positive breast cancer in October of 2014. And um, yeah, that's a, just a little over seven years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for everyone else, it, rocked my world and changed everything. And here we are. And so obviously that changed the focus of your career because you've, I mean, you're still doing, you're still a trainer and the dietitian and the nutritionist, but you've really created these programs for 
people who've gone through hormone positive breast cancer. So I, I imagine that is that the main focus of what you do now? Yes. At the time of my diagnosis, I was um, I had a brick and mortar private practice in nutrition therapy mm-hmm. where I worked with. I did have men clients, but I worked primarily with women to use nutrition and exercise and lifestyle to reduce the risk of any type of disease, you know, cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, if they, especially if they had a family background or risk, um, help them with weight management, meaning, you know, develop healthy relationships with food. I did a lot of eating disorder work, disordered eating work. And then I also owned um, part of the other side of that is my private personal training studio. So, you know, the nutrition side of things and the fitness side of things. And then I also had a wellness, uh, worksite wellness piece to my business where I would do a lot of education at corporations in the Chicago area and beyond. And so that's what I was doing at the time of my diagnosis. And so, you know, I've done this for a very long time, over 20 years, and the shift has really been. It took me a while. We can talk about that if you'd like, but it took me a while to land where I am now with the business. I sort of blew it up after my diagnosis and tried to figure out where I was going to land. And the pivot has been that now I do work primarily with hormone-driven breast cancer survivors post-treatment. And there's a reason for that as well. So we can talk about lots of things in that regard. Well, tell me that reason. Why? What what was the main thing that made you say, gosh, I really want to focus my practice on this? So at the time of my diagnosis, I just, you can imagine, I was like everyone, I was just baffled. I mean, I have no family history. I now know that's common. I had just run the Chicago half marathon seven weeks prior, mm-hmm. super fit, super healthy. All the labs are great. Everything's there. I'm like, what the heck? That's where my damn mad about breast cancer blog came from because Got it. Mm-hmm. I was for a very long time. And I finally realized this anger is just corrosive and I've got to do something with it. And I just felt pulled to work in the breast cancer community, but I didn't know in what capacity because I was not, and I still am not an oncology dietitian. I am a mm-hmm. life dietitian. I'm a preventive risk reduction dietitian. I mean, that's what I do. And so that's my, always been my interest is to keep people out of hospitals and mm-hmm. live in their most vibrant life. And so I just didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I had this brick and mortar business and I was established in my community working, you know, in the work that I was doing. And I just felt this pull. And I've realized over the last few years is that really when women have come through treatment and they're on the other side of it, the options available to them and the resources available to them to live the survivorship as healthfully and vibrantly as they can really are, there's a gap there. They're, mm-hmm. they're missing, you know, a lot of women, myself included, you don't want to go back to your cancer center. No. And they don't have, program. In the, I've done the hour survivorship program. And honestly, I remember nothing that came out of it other than I felt it was a waste of my time. Not that they're not trying, but it's, we have to really be our own advocate. And as you said, we feel so lost after treatment ends. So having options like what you've created is amazing. And I love seeing how so many people after their diagnosis, they do, they want to give back and they want to find a way to serve. And so you had this amazing background in health and wellness, nutrition and fitness, and you've incorporated that and made that your focus. And I, it's, it's literally my favorite thing about doing the show is seeing what all these amazing people have taken with their cancer and paying, paying it forward really to others who are, you know, have come after us. Thank you. Well, you know, I feel that 
all those things. Yes, we after after we finish treatment, you know, my focus is there for a couple of reasons. One, because having gone through it myself, I know that until you get to the other side, you really, you're just focused on getting through treatment. You're focused mm-hmm. on doing the thing. What's my treatment plan? What do I do next? What surgery? What, all the things. And then you finish and you're like, okay, now what? Um, there's a, and I've learned that, that now what revolves around what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? Should I be exercising? How much? What's appropriate? How does it help? And all of the stuff that you bring with you at the time of your diagnosis around food, this is my wheelhouse. You know, food, fear, anxiety, history of dieting, chronic dieting your whole life, struggling with weight, battling the whole, should I exercise or not? I hate exercise. All that stuff, that garbage, mm-hmm. bring it with you into your diagnosis. And then it's sort of like your diagnosis and treatment throws gasoline on that fire. And mm-hmm. now you're afterwards and you're scared to eat anything. No, you should be moving, but you don't like it or you don't feel like you can because of mm-hmm. side effects or medication. So I found this, that's where the gap is that women, they don't need like, to your point, an hour of here's a survivorship overline guideline overview. Here's, here's a, we recommend you eat here, get some exercise and mm-hmm. have a nice life. There is a huge vacuum there where women need education, inspiration, support, and targeted realistic strategies for moving into survivorship and getting rid of the food fear, learning about the food, how nutrition helps and all the things. So that's, that's where my work is focused. And that's why it's post-treatment because then you can focus on it. Yes. Well, it's ready to focus on it. Yeah. Let's start to dig into that then. What I, um, we were talking previously and I really didn't know that. So there are differences between diet and nutrition and food. So can you talk about how, how that works and what, what those really mean. Yeah. So diet and food tend to go together a little more closely. So people use diet and nutrition interchangeably. Mm-hmm. You know, my degree is in nutrition, human nutrition and dietetics. I have a nutrition science degree. Nutrition mm-hmm. is a science. And I remind people that, you know, you can have any opinion about nutrition that you'd like or an opinion about your diet but it is a science. Like you can say, I don't like broccoli. That's your opinion, but it doesn't mean that broccoli is the panacea for every ill or ailment out there. There are benefits to it, but at, at the nutrition science level, there's a reason why there are benefits in there. And there's an actual, um, there's a science behind how that works. So diet is the food and drink that you choose that you put into your body every day. Day in mm-hmm. and day. That's your diet. And there are okay. many different types. There are vegan diets, vegetarian diets, mm-hmm. diets. There are medically based diets. If you have diabetes, you focus more on carbs. So there are, you can manage disease and medical uh, conditions with diet that, you know, there's that nutrition is the way that from a biochemical physiological standpoint, how food and the things that you choose to drink work in your body. So, in terms of um, like ingestion and absorption of nutrients Mm -hmm. and the whole um, synthesis, biosynthesis of the nutrients that, you know, when you eat a piece of chicken, it's like chicken. Most people are thinking, should I get it fried? I love it fried, but no, that's too fattening. It's not bad. It's not good for me. It's bad for me. I shouldn't get the fried. (laughs) And I, from a nutrition standpoint, Mm -hmm. go, Hey, it's amino acids. And when you eat it, it's broken down by your body and then they store the amino acids. I mean, that's not what they came when I look uh-huh. at it, but that's the difference between diet 
and nutrition. So Got what it. does nutrition do for you in terms of supporting your health and well-being from a physiological and biochemical standpoint? So the chicken, the chicken, yeah, oh yeah, the chicken is still good for you, but nutritionally it's better to have it grilled than fried. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, <laughs> it's still, there's, there's still the amino acids. Frying something doesn't mm-hmm. take the protein out of chicken. So right. you still get that benefit. Mm-hmm. But then there are other, that, that I love that you asked that question because in the lay population, nutrition and diet should be very black and white. Fried chicken, bad. Grilled chicken, good. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gray there and it's very complex in terms of, you know, inflammatory markers and, you know, what type of oil and what's the heating point, smoke point. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that alters the chemicals, the compounds in food to either Mm -hmm. help support our health or not be so supportive. Got it. Let's talk about healthy lifestyle because that's a term that's used a lot. And I don't know that people really knows what, what it means. Well, okay. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think healthy lifestyle means, Michelle, to you? You know, what did, what do you think about when you hear that? Getting proper nutrition, good sleep, enough water, and um, some exercise. So a, a balance of all the things across the board. Okay. So what, that's, that's great. I mean, there's no right or wrong way to describe it. That's what it means to you. And so when I was thinking about your question, and I thought, you know, it's really, to me, it's about intentional habits and behaviors that support you feeling and being your best. Mm-hmm. So that's a broad description, but to your point, it, in, it includes sleep. It includes um, solitude and restoration. It includes mm-hmm. um, nutrition, obviously, your diet. It includes physical activity. It includes self-care and self-care practices. It includes social engagement. It's all the things that support you being your best. And so to me, that's, you know, that's the big, def- the broad definition. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, because when you asked me the question, I was like, oh, I had to think about it. Like, I know it's literally incorporating all the, all of the different things. And I love that you put in there solitude and restoration because I, I just came off a wonderful two week vacation that went straight into Christmas. And the week after Christmas, I had so many big plans and I did none of them because I really felt like I needed time. I needed to be home. I needed time. I needed to get back on my Peloton because I, that was just something that I was missing was the solitude and the restoration. So, and I, I felt myself apologizing to people like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. I didn't call. But then I was like, gosh, why do I have to apologize for taking care of myself? It's kind Ooh. of, that's part of that whole dynamic that our brains sometimes are like, ah, but um. I know we have so much more to talk about, but I know that we do need to take a break here really quickly. So friends, remember out there, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. You can also go to our website and under patient programs, request a hat for yourself or a loved one who's going through chemo and experienced hair loss. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Navigating clinical trials for yourself or a loved one can be incredibly overwhelming. And that's why we built Clara Health. 
We created the Clara platform in collaboration with advocates to provide an accessible and patient-centered way to connect with clinical trials. Our team is here to support you in making informed and autonomous decisions about your treatment options. If you'd like to learn more, visit clarahealth.com. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck and my guest is Kathy Lehman. On Instagram, you can find her at hormone.breastcancer.dietitian. You should totally find her as soon as the show is over because she has such fun little videos and snippets of good information that um, every it's like every day there's like a new Kathy. It's like, oh, hi. So, uh, <laughs> but Kathy, before break, we were talking about how important it is for a healthy lifestyle to focus on so many elements um, and uh, that's important for everyone, not just those who've gone through breast cancer. Yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yes. Sorry, <laughs> brain. I had a brain fade there for a moment. So how, wh- how do you think is like the best way, we'll start with nutrition, determining like your nutrition habits because you've gone through treatment and then like after you said everything blows up and you're trying to figure it all again how do you realize what is the best nutrition for you after treatment because it it will change as time goes on okay you just stumped me how does it change so um it's a I would say it's kind of a continuum because when you come out of treatment, you're, you're exhausted and you're tired and you feel like your body's probably depleted. And then you, you might want to do some things right away to build it up. And then afterwards you're like, okay, let's stable it out and, and do this for more long-term. I gotcha. Okay. That's interesting. I love that you shared that because I'm thinking about the women that I work with who come into my program and just that I have conversations with, you know, out in the social media world and beyond Immediately after treatment, they're sort of terrified mm-hmm. and they don't trust themselves about what they should do to take care of themselves, particularly if, as I mentioned before, they're coming out of this with these notions of, oh, I was really a mess before my cancer. I was out of shape and I was overweight and I wasn't eating well and I was drinking too much alcohol and, 
Maybe someone smoked and they're really beating themselves up about all of those habits. Mm-hmm. So I find right after treatment, they tend to throw all that out is the thinking. I'll just do everything differently. I'm going to eat perfectly. I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm never going to touch sugar, blah, 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 blah. And that's what I call white knuckling your way into survivorship because <laughs> those are such um, it's too all or nothing and it's impossible. It's not realistic enough. It's impossible to mm-hmm. sustain that. So maybe you can do that for a while and, you know, through just sheer will, because you're like, nope, I'm not eating anything that's not on this little list, but you can't, I, I encourage women to think about long-term to your point, you know, the continuum mm-hmm. of your survivorship is lifelong. Can you sustain and maintain what you're doing right now when you travel? You just went on a lovely vacation. Could you do all the things that you say you have to do perfectly when you're traveling, when it's a holiday, when it's your birthday, when you're working late, when you're on a project, when you have grandkids around and you have them for a week? You know, think about your life and how you live it. Whatever you put into play, you've got to be able to maintain it through that and navigate those things keeping focus on being as feeling as good as you can and doing things that make you feel good without abandoning. So, so that's the first thing. And then I think as women get further out, that fear starts, starts to lessen for some women because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, okay. I don't have to be so strict with my food. And then sometimes they go all the way the other direction thinking it doesn't really matter because look, I'm okay. And, you know, or they just, you know, kind of, just second guess themselves about everything. They're not as fearful as they were in terms of terror, but their anxiety around how they take care of themselves is high. So, you know, determining the best outcome really, first of all, it has to be something that's realistic and practical for you. And I find that's different. What the way I run my healthy lifestyle, nutrition, all that, that may, that works great for me. It doesn't mean it would work for you. So you've got to take the principles and recommendations that we have from the science that are evidence-based and then apply them in a way that it works for you individually. Does that, does that make yes. sense? Yes. Oh, hundred percent. And it's something I wanted to talk about next because we're, we're trying as cancer survivors, we're trying to figure out, okay, what is best for us? You know, okay, yes, there's the new science behind the nutrition and there's things we like and things, okay, we, we should give up some of that and do that because I know this will be healthier. But there's a lot of nutrition myths around there, especially based on women impacted by breast cancer in terms of like alcohol or soy products. Um, Can you address some of those? I know it's not the same for everyone across the board, but um, what is your feeling on that with those who've had hormone positive breast cancer? Okay. So let's back up just for a second, if you don't mind to talk about just, this is kind of a second part response to your question about how do we determine what's best for us over the course of our survivorship. And Uh I remind women, you know, take the breast cancer piece out of it. And just think about your health. You want to eat for heart health. You want to eat for cognition, you know, brain health. Mm -hmm. You want to keep your blood pressure stable. You want to keep your blood sugar stable. You want to have energy, stamina, vitality. You want healthy skin. You want, you know, you want to age well. You want strong bones. You want muscle mass. All the things that support us aging healthfully as women um, so that we can maintain our independence as we age. Nutrition and a healthy lifestyle, well, nutrition is part of a healthy life. Healthy lifestyle supports all of that. Mm -hmm. So I remind women, if you're just eating for your boobs, you are eating (laughs) for all of you, right? Because that's, we tend to get like laser focused just from here. Well, you can't from Mm -hmm. here. 
Mm-hmm. And like, what do they need? They don't need alcohol. They don't need sugar. They don't, soy I've heard is terrible. Can't eat that. Oh my gosh. And, but all the healthy choices you would make, even without breast cancer, support breast health. And, and where I focus on hormone positive is because that was my type of cancer. So I'm mm-hmm. familiar with what that's like walking that path. There are medications after hormone positive breast cancer we take for five years that can impact bone health and joint health, all the things. So I'm just familiar with that. And the research around nutrition and hormone positive breast cancer is very fascinating to me. In time, we will get to a place where we can target dietary recommendations based on tumor type or subtype of Mm -hmm. breast cancer. We're going to get, we're not there yet. But anyway, so all of that gets, that's the reality of it. The myths piece comes in when fear takes over and you're very vulnerable right after treatment or in treatment, even to listening to, oh my gosh, so-and-so I read online, I shouldn't eat soy because soy sauce is bad for me. And, and soy, you're not supposed to ever have soy. And I asked my oncologist and they agreed. And then my hairdresser told me that I shouldn't eat sugar because sugar feeds cancer and alcohol. What about, I've heard that you shouldn't even, you know, you can't drink anything. So this is where the myths come from. Mm-hmm. They do not come from, they're perpetuated by that yes. sort of engagement. They don't come from that. And a, a lot of that comes from oncologists and oncology nurses and such. They are great at the job that they are trained to do. They're not trained in nutrition. Right. And so they don't stay, they don't live, breathe and sleep nutrition science like I do, someone who that's my field. And I also have a personal interest in that as well. So I always say I am all of the people I work with because just like you, I want to reduce my risk of recurrence because that's Mm -hmm. the name of the game. And I want to be as healthy as possible. So that came from even before my cancer, but now we have this recurrence thing. So it's about getting accurate information the timely, you know, sometimes oncologists, they don't hear about new research in nutrition science until three years later. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. like, wait, so it's not okay. And they don't really know, but you, you know, you don't get accurate, consistent information. So it's the credibility of who you're getting information from is one thing to look at. Because, and again, back to like, even if you didn't have breast cancer, too much alcohol, too much added sugar, too much, you know, mm-hmm. unhealthy food. It's just, it's not healthy for anyone. Moderation. <laughs> yeah. Well, in moderation, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that term. Okay. What's mm-hmm. moderation to you Right. would not be moderation to me or someone mm-hmm. else. So again, moderation, I think, is open to interpretation. We all know that broccoli and apples are healthier for us than nacho cheese fake dip and mm-hmm. tortilla chips that are, you know, five bags for a dollar. We know that. But does that mean we don't eat those things? No, we eat them and then feel ridiculously guilty. So that's where the disconnect comes in. Like, that's where I, I focus the work is how do we let those things all live together in a way that we don't have the stress and the guilt? Mm-hmm. And I, I, one of your posts that sticks out to me that you did over the holiday was about eating Christmas cookies and, um, you know, not forcing yourself to feel guilty if you have a couple cookies, just like have the cookie and then move on because, you know, otherwise you're going to be like, you're going to obsess about it. And if they're in your house and you really want one, like just have the damn cookie. And then you're like, okay, I had, I had a cookie and I'm okay. Like, it's not going to kill me. And you know, it's the the sugar in the one cookie is not going to bring my cancer back. So. (laughs) Right. And that's the, thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's the thinking 
that I see in the breast cancer community is, and it's not just hormone driven, it's pretty much all breast cancer that I've seen. Mm-hmm. If I eat this X, let's use Christmas cookie, that sugar is going to make my cancer come back. It's bad for me. It doesn't work that way. The science doesn't support that. You know, one if one sugar cookie gave everyone breast cancer, no one would not have breast cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. If one glass of wine made everyone have breast cancer, no one would not have breast cancer. That's the black and white thinking that it's my mission to eradicate because your body doesn't work like that with nutrients and the science doesn't support that. If it did, I would say, I'll be the first to tell you because I keep my finger on the pulse of that because I want to know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. And, and you think about when you said moderation earlier, it's kind of that if it, it's more the pattern of your diet over time. Okay that determines how healthful or not as healthful your diet is. And you're, so if the bulk of the time you are, you know, really giving your body the nutrients it needs, and you know what that means. It means eating food that is nourishing, that makes you feel good. That is, you know, more of real food rather than not real food and Mm -hmm. less amount of time you're eating other, you know, more treat foods, we call them. That's, that's a healthier pattern that can support health, across the board. I mean, more women die of heart disease than they do of breast cancer. So if you eat for a healthy heart, again, you Mm -hmm. know who's benefiting your breast health. Right. Yeah. Your entire body. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's really just think about, is this healthy for me just overall? I mean, I always remind women, you know, I have women who have clients who have animals and they order their food from a specialty company. They order it delivered for their animals because they want their animals to have the optimal diet and have the best food, but they don't do that for themselves. <laughs> I, say, I know where this is going. <laughs> so I'm like, hold on a second. Just, or their kids, you know, they're like, I want my kids to eat, you know, healthy, nutritious food. I'm like, well, what about you? Do you not count? Cause we need the same thing. So it's just kind of, it's just interesting. It's just an interesting observation, not a judgment. It's just a think about where your brain is going around your habits and if they're, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you care more about what you feed your animals than you do yourself, then let's have a conversation about that because <laughs> that's where, then it doesn't matter. You can have all the guidelines and diets and lists of foods to eat in the, on the planet, but it may not be helpful because you may not be ready for that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that kind of leads me to where I wanted to go next was your health rebuild program that you've put together for hormone positive survivors. Can um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that in case they are interested in, in hearing more about what you, what you do and what you've put together? Yeah, sure. So I um, the health rebuild program is really, uh, that's what it, it helps women who are post-treatment from hormone-driven breast cancer rebuild their health. And we start by eliminating the food fear and confusion and overwhelm because I've no I've learned that when you have information and education about how nutrition supports your health it helps you make decisions with less fear you're not, you're not second guessing yourself oh now I know what to buy at the grocery store I know what recipes to choose I know what to prepare and what to put in my body because this is why it does what it does and this is what how it can benefit me so there's education I have educational modules on nutrition and lifestyle across the board. Um, I do a monthly uh, cooking demonstration that is plant-based with recipes and information education on that. And then every week I do a masterclass, uh, live masterclass coaching for everyone in the program because we do a different theme each month. This month we're talking about 
exercise for survivors. And we're talking about fitting fitness in. That's the whole theme for the month of January. So every Monday I do my masterclass coaching around that topic. We have a different topic each week. This week it was um, why exercise is beneficial for survivors. So I find that the more knowledge you have from a credible source and someone who's walked the same path, then you can execute much more effectively. So that's what the Health Rebuild program is about. And there are three levels to the program that people can work in with, depending on how much access to me or how much they mm-hmm. want to be on their own. Now, yeah, so if you're asking, yeah. Yes. Now, if someone, you know, doesn't have, um, isn't doing a program like that, it's it's hard to change our lifestyle, no, no matter where you're at, whether it's in eating or fitness, how, I am, how do we really get the process for our brains to change that? Like, how do we get that mindset if, if we're kind of stuck? Yeah, that's a, a brilliant question. Whoops, just dropped my pen. Um, because, you know, one of the things in my program, I find that aside from the education and having me as the, you know, the, the leader of all of that, there are other women who've walked the same path in this program. So you're getting support from someone who has a like mind about, you know, mindset about taking care of themselves, has walked the path you've, and are supportive and inspiring just from that community aspect. So that's where that can be beneficial because I find that's missing in a lot of those survivorship programs. Maybe you're in a cancer class, but it's all kinds of cancer. Or maybe you're in a breast cancer survivorship class, but it's different types of breast cancer or people have, you know, there are different phases of their recovery. So that's not, that's missing this big piece that I feel like, well, I know just from my <laughs> experiences, the mindset is really where it all starts. Mm-hmm. You've got to, you were saying it's, um, you know, it's a multi-step process starts in our brains. First of all, you have to decide that it's important to you to take care of yourself, yeah. that you are valuable enough and that this is a high enough priority to to take that, you know, com- make that commitment. And then you've got to believe you can actually execute on it. And then you have to be intentional about going forward with that action. And I, I can relate to that because I've done it a couple of times, but um, my vice other than carbs is Diet Coke. And it's like, I love it. It, it satisfies me. It makes me happy. Um, and I've chosen to no longer buy it at my home. Um, at first I was like, I'm going to give it up altogether. And then I'm like, okay, that just might be a little bit too hard. So I will have it if I go out, which right now nobody's going out. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And um, so for me, that was a really conscious decision because I want to be healthier. I know um, the, and the more soda you drink, it's not good for you in many ways. And then the, the artificial sweeteners are not good for your body as well. And so I'm like, I've, I've really had to change that mindset. Like, okay, no matter how much I love this, it's not healthy for me. And so I need to find a way to move forward. And so for me, cutting it down to maybe like one or two a week is much better than 14 a week because I used to have one every day at lunch and dinner. So, you know, sometimes you have to take those baby steps to get where you need to go. You always have to take baby steps to get where you need to go. And I love your strategy. That's a very intentional, deliberate strategy. And it's a brilliant one. Because like you said, cutting it out completely, when you said it, love, you love it, it makes you happy, it brings you joy. Why would you stop having something that does all those things? Unless you can find a substitute that does the same thing that's better for you, right? But until then, you've just reduced it. So your pattern, mm-hmm. your Diet Coke pattern has changed yes. from 14 to a couple of weeks. And that's brilliant. That's, that's moving you in the right direction. 
Yes. So we're going to continue to talk about everything when we need to, when we come back, we need to take a short break. Remember listeners out there, I do put together warrior stories episodes. You can email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. So please send them because I would love to see them. So stay with us. We'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Navigating clinical trials for yourself or a loved one can be incredibly overwhelming. And that's why we built Clara Health. We created the Clara platform in collaboration with advocates to provide an accessible and patient-centered way to connect with clinical trials. Our team is here to support you in making informed and autonomous decisions about your treatment options. If you'd like to learn more, visit clarahealth.com. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Kathy Lehman, nutritionist, dietitian, fitness guru, and all of the things. So, Kathy, before break, we were talking about nutrition and how to find that right mindset. And really, it's getting the information and education, deciding what choices make and work for you, and moving forward and taking baby steps if you need to, to get where you're going, because it's impossible to change everything overnight. And so let's move over to fitness. How does that fit into what we want to have in our healthy lifestyle? And why is it so important for those dealing with the side effects of surgeries and hormone therapy? How, how do we fit those in when like we're in pain and we don't feel like doing anything, but we know it's so important? Yeah, I remember when I was taking my aromatase inhibitors and mm-hmm. I was horrified that I was going to feel incredible physical side effects. And I had stiffness, don't get me wrong. And it would ease, it was strongest in the morning, you know, my hands. And then as I made my way down the hall to the coffee pot, it started to loosen (laughs) up. And I found that, you know, I was much stiffer. I've been off and now for almost 
two years. And I was, I could tell a difference in my body. But oh, hundred percent. Yeah. The one thing that always made me feel better was just keep moving mm-hmm. because the more active you are, the, your body responds more um, positively to the stiffness. It loosens the stiffness and the research in the science side of things supports that side effects um, from other medications or surgeries. I mean, those are also things that we have to take into consideration. Maybe our range of motion and mobility is limited. I know I still on my left side where I have my lumpectomy, I still have tightness, but I work Mm -hmm. on it every day with stretching and yoga and that helps. So Part of it, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. Everyone, cancer or not, knows that exercise and physical activity is better for them. They feel better when they do it. It has so many health benefits. But if you're you know, struggling because you're in pain, it's first see your doctor rule out, is, is, the, is there something I shouldn't be doing? Do I need to see a physical therapist to address this issue? Is this part of my healing that's just taking longer? It's just not there yet. You know, what can I expect? So clear yourself from any serious medical concerns, make sure you're safe to do something. And then just start small. Walking is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, just going for a walk, 10 minutes. I wouldn't go outside today and walk no matter how much you paid me. But I can walk <laughs> around my house. I can walk around. I can go down the stairs and up the stairs. Mm-hmm. You know, just doing something and something that you enjoy. It, I, I find, again, it's just like nutrition. There's a lot of black and white thinking around fitness. I should be a runner. I should be lifting lots of weights. I should be doing yoga every day. and pilates. No, you're not going to sustain that if you don't love any of it. So do the thing you that brings you joy, the mm-hmm. activity that brings you joy. If it's walking, go for a walk, start there. And then build as you see fit because physical activity triggers changes at the physiological cellular level in our body that are supportive of reducing risk. So physical activity can reduce inflammation. It can reduce um, some of the, the growth hormones. It can have an impact positively on insulin. It can bring insulin levels down. So I always remind people, you know, you're looking at exercise about, can it make me skinnier? Can it make my jeans fit? And really, if we unzipped you and looked at what exercise does to you at a cellular level, you'd be amazed. At, I have a client who told me she's taking less insulin because she started walking regularly and her body's responding appropriately and she needs less units of insulin to manage her diabetes. And that's the benefit of exercise, the things that have nothing to do with our gene size. The, our yeah, the, the, the healthier lifestyle that can lead to weight loss, that's a side effect. It's yeah. really about making your body healthy. And for me, I, I've been on the aromatase inhibitors for five years. I am the queen of side effects. My hand, the, my, the, my hands hurt, the base of my feet hurt. So long walks are challenging. My joints, my knees, my hips, everything is stiff. And it, it's literally like my knees don't want to work. And I have finally found um, the bike. So for me, riding the bike, because I'm not putting my weight on, yes. on my feet and I can move the joints and Gosh, I feel so much better when I'm doing that. And there are days I still struggle to get on. And I had a back injury last year. So I was off it for months because I fractured a vertebrae. But now I'm actually able to get back on. My stamina is not what it was. But wow, I sure feel good when I get off that bike. And I've never been an exerciser or a fitness guru. But um, this for me, it's like I found my thing. And I love it. And my husband is always in, amazed at me, like, you're going back to get on the bike again? I'm like, yes, I love it. So that's, I, that's very fair. lucky. 
Mm-hmm. Not, that's you're living that example is you've got to find the activity that you enjoy that feels good to you and that gives you benefit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's swimming for someone else because there's no pounding or, you know, there's, it's just easier on the body and joints. And for you, it's the bike. And once you find that, then focusing on, it's always hard to get started. It's, the hardest part is getting your butt on the bike or getting 100%. Yep. outside for the walk or whatever it is you do. If you give yourself five minutes, say, I'm going to do this for five minutes. And then if I hate it, I'm going to stop. Most people after five minutes are like, okay, this is feeling pretty good. And I encourage them to focus on the benefit. Like you just said, think mm-hmm. about what you get when you're finished. How does this help me feel better? Because if the goal is to feel better and thrive in our survivorship, exercise is one of, it's the magic potion. I mean, mm-hmm. I, to, I get up early to get my workout in every day. I don't like to get up early, but I okay, like I'm not at I that get, point yet. <laughs> no, I like, I've been doing it for years. I still don't like it, but I like what I get from it. Mm-hmm. And to me, the payoff is worth it. I'm like, this is, you know, this just impacts my entire day in a positive way. So why wouldn't I do that when I value how I feel throughout the day? Right? I work at a really high level of intensity all day long until I hit mm-hmm. the bed. I can't do that if I'm not active. So that's what I remind people. What's the payoff for you? And think about that versus this is terrible. I have to go outside or I have to get on a bike. Just give yourself that window to get started and then focus on what you get from it. Payoff's great, right? Mm-hmm. And also too, finding finding some way to get accountability is is mm. really important because like for me like okay like right now i um i started back on my bike a few days ago i'm like i want to have a streak and so like i want to keep going i want to be doing something every day and yesterday i was just having a lot of pain in my knee for some reason don't know why and so instead of doing that i did a, a peloton meditation because i'm like i i still need to do things that are good for myself and today i'm going to get back on the bike as soon as we get off here but it's so important um one question i did want you to help clarify for our listeners is my oncologist always wants me to do exercises that are um, weight bearing to help for my bone density. Um, Cause I think cause of the aromatase inhibitors, what are, what are those kind of exercises um, that would help our bones? Yeah. So there's weight bearing exercise um, is anything that puts pressure on your bone structure. So that's, Body weight exercises, if you think of planks okay. or squats or walking, walking stimulates bone because you, mm-hmm. there is, you know, you're applying pressure when you're walking or running. Um, strength training also is, is weight bearing because it, you know, it's strength training and weight bearing exercise are two different weight bearing exercises are what I described. Strength training is a different thing. You're actually putting, you know, okay. heavier weight in, in, on sorry, heavier pressure from the heavier weight that stimulates the bone, you know, growth. And, and that's the benefit of the strength training and body weight exercises. Yeah. Got it. And I listeners, I know most of you out there know this, but these, the medications that we take after cancer for the hormone positive, the tamoxifen, the aromatase inhibitors, they're bad for our bones. It just, it is what it is. And um, so we need to do whatever we can to, to put that off because as women too, as we lose the estrogen in our bodies, it's already hard on our bones. And so this medication on top of it, as we age, we really need to be super proactive in making sure that we're not hunched over when we're 90. Yeah. Well, and even just strength. I mean, I was talking uh-huh. earlier about independence. 
And we lose about eight to 10% of our muscle mass every decade. And women are not wow. strong upper body to begin with, right? We're just, mm-hmm. our muscles aren't as big as the men. So we've got to maintain that strength because a lot of our independence comes from the inability, losing the inability, losing the ability to do things for ourselves, mm-hmm. lift a 10 pound bag of cat litter or put your bag once we travel again in the overhead bin on the airplane, you know, all those things that require physical strength. If we support ourselves staying strong with exercise, that helps maintain independence and, you know, in our survivorship and longevity as well. So to me, it's, you know, weight loss doesn't come so strongly from fitness. People like to think, oh, I'm exercising now because I'm dieting. Well, that's, you want to maintain muscle, you want to maintain bone, you want to keep joints healthy, maintain flexibility, balance, all the things comes, which helps you age and, and have a healthy survivorship overall. Yeah, I had never, I've never heard that you lose eight to 10% of your mass every decade. So, which is, you know, you think, oh, I'm going to age gracefully and peacefully. Like, no, you need to be a beast. You need to get out there and actually <laughs> like continue. Um, I follow a woman on Instagram, Train with Joan. She started um, working out with her daughter and she's in her 70s and started a few years ago. And she is amazing and just does all these exercises. And it just goes to show you it's it's all about mindset. Um yeah you know, start small, take the steps and just move forward at your pace when you have the the information and all of that. And it can really, you can change your life immensely. And, you oh. know, you can't, every, everyone can be healthier. Um, yeah. It's just taking those steps. Well, even like you said, you, so consistency is a big issue here mm-hmm. because, Um, like you said, you couldn't get on your bike because of your knee issues. So you did a meditation. It's more about do a little bit of something every day. Mm -hmm. It's always better for you than doing a lot of nothing for seven days, than having a streak of two weeks and then doing nothing for a month. So I find that people struggle with consistency Mm -hmm. because they think I should do all or nothing. If I can't do an hour, I can't exercise. No, 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 no. If you have 10 minutes, move your body. Mm-hmm. You know, turn on music and dance for 10 minutes and call it a day. And then tomorrow when you have more time, do your other thing. It's just about doing a little bit of something every day is so important. Mm-hmm. I love that. So we've actually hit all of my big questions today. So I had um, I asked some questions for our listeners. And um, so I want to ask you about some of these. So nighttime snacking, is it a bad idea? Well, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> have you eaten all day or if you're, are you starving? If you're starving, you need to eat. But I know what you mean. It's after that snacking after dinner until bedtime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always ask people, why are you snacking? Are you actually hungry or is it habit? And so it's not that the snacking is a bad idea. It's what's connected to it. Are you snacking to avoid your day? Are you snacking because the TV is making you crave something that you're not hungry, but you're eating anyway? Is it you're bored? You know, are you, did you have a crappy day and you're trying to feel better? So you're snacking till you go to bed and can forget about it. That's where the trouble comes in. But, but you know, we're less active at night. And mm-hmm. so you're, you know, you're probably eating extra calories you don't need. You're not snacking on carrots, I'm sure. So, you know, you're probably getting in like lower nutritional value foods. And by the way, when you go to bed on a full stomach, your insulin level is up, inflammatory markers, all of insulin-like growth hormone, all of these uh, biomarkers that can point to potentially increased risk of recurrence because you're not allowing your body to calm down at night and just digest and metabolize. That's something to consider as well. 
Got it. One quick question and then we're, we're done. I'll, unfortunately, is there one single food that we should never eat in terms of recurrence that might help the cancer along? Or is that a myth? That's a myth. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. I like that. So, <laughs> Short you know, and sweet. It's a myth. There is no single food that has that power. Again, if there were, I'd be telling everybody. Got it. Okay. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. It has been my pleasure to have you on as my as my first guest of 2022. And uh, I know Becky's looking down and saying, you go girls. Um, so because you were Becky's guest many times. So thank you again for being here. Listeners, thank you. Also, you can find more information about Kathy and her programs at kathyleeman.com, damnmadaboutbreastcancer.com, and follow her on Instagram at hormone.breastcancer.diet and you won't regret it. If you or a loved one need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can help us by making a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. You can find our show on many platforms. We have over 300 episodes in the past that you can search on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, I would love a rating and a review because those really help me um, go forward and to get more listeners. If you yourself would like to be a guest or share a warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.